The Supreme Report with attorney Tom Winslow on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers. Brought to you by Winslow Law. Talk 94.5. Yay! Here he is. Man, I see you everywhere, Mr. Tom Winslow. Hey, you know, got to be out and about, man, having fun with the family, right? I like it. Yeah, I like it. All these I, different I, I live here too, right? I, live I know. Here too. I know. That's what I like to see because there's all these events that are going on, these family events, these, these, uh, you know, whether they could be business events or just community events. And it's like, oh, look, there's Tom and his family. Look at that. Oh, yeah. We always run into each other. Yeah, I saw, I, I saw think, Nick and Big Air last week. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, I, I mean, I got a 10 year old, I got a seven year old, I got a lovely wife. We, uh, we like to enjoy our town. No, and I think that's, that's, it's nice seeing y'all out there too, man. That speaks volumes the type of person you are that you not only, you know, work and live in this community, work, live and play in this community right, right next to the people that you represent. Well, that's why, you know, that's why we say we're committed counselors for our community clients and coworkers. I, you can't beat that. That's amazing. All right. So uh, the first thing out of the gate, I know you got a stack of stuff. Right, and here I we know go. What you got? Liz has homework for you. Can you believe that? I know. I got it right here in front of me. I'm studying right now. <laughs> so Tucker revealed over the weekend on his latest episode, it's Tucker on X. Uh, and I'll just give it to you briefly. There's somebody who worked in the medical examiner's office in the county where Derek Chauvin had his uh, autopsy. And it, the boss, this medical examiner, and this employee, can't remember, Sweezy was her last name. She's giving this testimony, and they're talking about how the narrative, basically, the public narrative is that Derek Chauvin and this other officer killed George Floyd. Well, according to the actual medical examiner's office and the uh, what's that thing called not the death certificate the uh, the results the autopsy the autopsy results okay. thank you i couldn't think of the word sure uh there was no blunt force trauma there was nothing broken there was nothing damaged so was nothing no, we, we call that causation so his actions did not cause something according to the results no nothing you know what it was what was it it was fentanyl well there you go that was one of the reasons that they had to respond in the first place right so so for, it's, they want us to believe that fentanyl is killing everybody in the world mm-hmm. except George Floyd. That was the cop. Yeah, so I mean, so that's an interesting aspect. So obviously, uh, these fellas have already been uh, indicted. They've already been charged. They've already been found guilty. They're probably serving their time at this point. They might they be are. appealing. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the grounds for appeals is new evidence found. Uh, that's how you see a lot of these people that, you know, 25 years in jail and they get out, right? Because mm-hmm. there's new evidence found. Maybe it's a DNA kind of concept or some of that nature. So in this situation, if there's new evidence found, such as testimony from a new witness, would a deposition would that equal test or you know evidence? Yeah, well, to a point, yes, because a deposition is under oath. Right now, what it does is it gives grounds for an appeal potentially under that new evidence. Is it enough to overturn it? Probably not necessarily overturn it, but it is grounds to have maybe a new case heard, a new trial heard, or even to have the charge, charges dropped. Keep in mind, if there's not enough evidence, it doesn't even get to a jury. Right. So, in terms of law. You don't just have someone did something wrong, right? Like if I, cops don't listen, if I run a red light, <laughs> I, right, maybe I have a, a criminal charge, but you can't sue me because I hit a, ran a red light unless I hit you, right? Unless mm-hmm. I cause damage to you directly, you can't sue me for what I did wrong. Right. You just get the ticket from I get the, the ticket. police officer. So, so if what occurred didn't cause, right, causation, the damage, the death, then was he guilty of murder? No. Right. Was he guilty of manslaughter? No. Now, maybe he was guilty of maybe, and I don't think he would be, but assault and battery, right? Because he was touching the fella. But with that being said, that's his job. He's a police officer. Well, and he they also. They have certain immunities for that. And he was trying to subdue a 
suspect who already escaped from the police car the first time. Who was resisting arrest. Right? Correct. So, so I don't think he would, right? The, the whole case was around um, overuse of force, right? You can only use force proportionate to what's being used against you. So that's what the case came down to. But if there's evidence now that that did not cause the death, then that's, that's important evidence. I, I don't want to spend too much time on it because at this point it's all speculation and we don't know what their lawyers are doing. I would imagine that their lawyers, the two police you know, officers that are currently in not jail, just, yeah, all of them, yeah. I would think their ears perked up and said, well, wait a minute now. Uh, you would hope so. So the next step would be to to file that appeal if they haven't already. Yeah, and get that. Well, for next step for me would be getting that deposition or talking to that witness right. and being well, like, Tucker had it. So I'm yeah, assuming saying, it's. And talking to that witness being like, Will you be a witness for me and, right. and say this? Because they already said under oath in the deposition. It's going to take an honest judge with. And that's and that's the difficulty. A brave judge. That's right. That's 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 hundred percent what the justice system is founded on. You have to be willing to go outside your comfort zone, and these witnesses will have to. Right, the judges will have to. Lawyers have to. And the community's not clearly the community's not going to like it. You saw what happened before, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the public opinion is. It doesn't matter what the majority wants. What matters is justice, right? And that's 100%. see, that's what I'm afraid of. That the judge is like, I ain't touching this one. Yeah, and well, leave it be. Well, that's the problem, right? Because then you're then you're basically sacrificing someone. Yeah, and that's and we not don't fair. we don't do that here. We're not supposed to. Not in this country. We don't. All right. So now you got your homework. All Thank right. you for answering that one. That was kind of relatively new in the last I'm 48 hours. I'm ready for hours. my pop quiz. All right. I have nothing to ask you, so just go. All right. All right, Miss Calloway. <laughs> Let's see if I pass your test. <laughs> She's not even listening. <laughs> All right. So uh, I walk in with my snack of research, and I should have just spent the weekend with my family because Liz is prepared for me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> so... I, uh, I'm going to tackle this one first because it's, it's pertinent, and then we'll get over here to this if we have time. We'll see what Nick has to say in the meantime. All right. The five Supreme Court cases to watch this season, and actually some of these are individualized over here, but let's just fly through these five cases that are important because they are important. Uh, one is the social media case. So as many of you know, this is an exciting time of the year, right? Everybody's so excited for this time of year. No, not Halloween. The start of the Supreme Court session is starting up, <laughs> right? How exciting can it be? Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, shoot, get rid of that stuff. We got Supreme Court coming up. Oh, you're such a nerd. <laughs> I am kind of a nerd. <laughs> Bald fat nerd is what you're looking Stop! at. Stop. <laughs> so what we got over here is the the case is kind of around. So keep in mind, Supreme Court kind of takes a hiatus during the summer, mm -hmm. right? That's why you don't hear very much of it. They get back into session, give or take, you know, September, October, and then carry on, eh, give or take, almost all the way up until I would say May. Uh, and then then they start issuing out opinions May and June, right? And so they'll get out some here and there, but now's the time they start listening to to fights that we're having, right, in our world. And one of them actually is dealing with South Carolina that we're going to get to today because that one has already been heard because of how important it was. All right, but they got social media cases going on, right? So we remember back in the day, maybe even still currently, when they're putting people in Facebook jail, right? Oh, yeah. And then they're, like, censoring what you can say and what you can't say online on these platforms. And it's kind of an interesting concept, right? Because they're advocating for an open platform, and then they're limiting what you're allowed to say, but it's still a private company, right? They're not – it's a private company that own, is owned by somebody, right? Zuckerberg, Musk, whoever it might be. Mm -hmm. And so does the individual – does the company have the right to censor what you have to say? And, and that's the case that's being brought up in front of the Supreme Court, this free speech protections. Well, it turns out that Texas and Florida pass laws and basically limit your ability to censor that speech. And, and these social media companies, Facebook, Google, X, all these guys have appealed those decisions because they want the ability to censor what you have to say. 
Uh, Texas says basically. But you know that going in when you sign up for that service. That's right. And so you don't have to sign up for that service, right? You can have plenty of other services to sign up for. But the question is this. Do they have the right to do it? Right? Do I do I have the right to go into a church or a business and just yell what I want to yell? No, it's a private institution. So it's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting concept. But Texas put out laws saying you can't do stuff based on you know people's geographic location. Um, Florida did it as well, saying you can't do it based upon uh, what they have to say. So there's all these kind of censorship laws out there. Right. So that's going to be brought up and, and handled by the Supreme Court. And we're going to see. We'll see what they say in regard to how the Supreme Court reacts to censorship on social media platforms. Obviously, that's an important one to a lot of people. Uh, maybe they'll let you out of jail, much like they will or should do in uh, Minnesota. Uh, executive power in the Chevron document. What in the world is the Chevron document? This is what that basically says. basically says that the judiciary, right, the judges, will defer to an agency, will defer to the lawmaking power if it's reasonable and if Congress hasn't previously addressed the issue at hand, right? So they're basically saying, I'm going to stay out of it as long as it makes sense <laughs> I mean, and doesn't right. contradict what we've said before. And didn't it get addressed with the First Amendment? That's right, right. Because if it, well, if it's been addressed before, it would be you know, Constitution has been addressed. That's before, what right? that's what I mean. Right. So if it's like a new topic. We call this novel situation. If it's a new topic that hasn't been addressed, and it makes sense. Now eh, we're going to leave it alone. Mm. Like we won't mess with it if we if we can't. However, um, th- there's a big question about this executive power and the ability to uh, do stuff with like you know immigration, do stuff with. Uh, debt relief, you know, all these different kind of topics where the executive branch is kind of taking extreme uh, unilateral powers and and leeway, right, kind of doing their own thing. I mean, they're still eliminating student debt, even though the Supreme Court ruled they couldn't do it, and it's not back in front of them, right? So they're they're going to be addressing that supposedly. Here's an interesting comment I found in this one from, from a couple of the people on the Supreme Court. One of the hallmarks of a conservative court is that it does move incrementally. And the, you don't want sudden lurches in the law because certain su- sudden lurches in law are bad for citizens and businesses because it shows instability in the law, right? I so, like that. Yeah, uh, right. So what that means is that even though there might be an issue, they might not necessarily attack it 100% at, at the very first time they heard the case. Think about gun rights. Think about abortion, right? How long it took to overturn those. The law came out and it took 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. And so they don't want they don't want the law to be so fickle. Where one year, right, let's just go with it. Last year, abortion became a state decision, and now this year, they changed their mind. And the next year, they changed their mind, right? Because then the, then you don't 100% know what the heck you're supposed to be doing. Right. Right, and the laws should be a stabilizing factor. That's why you're supposed to follow the law. That's why the law is so important under justice, because it's, it's the grounding, right? It's the grounding. It's our foundation of how we're supposed to behave. The Constitution, Declaration, all these things are the foundation of how we're supposed to behave, and we build off of that. We don't want to just have it one year and then lose it the next year. It makes sense, but it is a little bit scary too, right? Because if you you might even be in the right and the law is wrong, but that what that says is the court doesn't want to change it automatically all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a kick in the butt a little bit as well at the same time. In other words, you're not going to please everybody all the time. <laughs> yes, right. You're not. You can't, and you can't. No, right. You and can't. and and you don't like you. You don't want to tell your child, yes, you can do this today, and no, you can't do it tomorrow. And then yes, you can do it the next yeah, day. That destabilizing nature of doing it that way, changing it all the time, depending on whatever, that's not good either. You're Des- right. Well, it destroys trust. It does. Right. All right. So the next one, separation of powers and appropriations. Appropriations is basically how you get your money, right? Mm-hmm. How am I going to get my money? And, and and separation of powers. So can agencies in the government, which are normally agencies are under the authority of the executive branch, can they go directly to the treasury and get funding, right? 
Well, that would be bypassing the legislative process that allows for the appropriations of where money's supposed to go. And so in these situations... Is this directed or tied to the IRS thing? Some of it is, yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, some of it's directed to the IRS, some of it's directed to the EPA, some of it's directed to the Commercial Financial Protection Bureau. So there's a bunch of different ones they name in here. Mm-hmm. And they're just going and getting money directly from the Treasury instead of getting the appropriations through the legislative system. Uh, not going to be a fun one to watch, but it does have a lot of authority and power because if you stop those agencies from getting directly from the source, right, instead of going directly to the bank and withdrawing money... And having to go through the legislative process, it limits in the future the ability of those agencies to gather money without the authority of the American people, who will, of course, vote for the representatives in the legislature. They don't vote for the heads of the agencies, right? Those are appointed. Mm-hmm. That's the big deal. One is elected. You can actually, as people, we can do something about it. We don't like their appropriations. The other is appointed. We can't do anything about that if they just go and take the money. That's right. Other than get rid of the president, <laughs> which that's another topic. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm gonna skip I'm gonna skip number four. I'm gonna come back to it. All right, so oh so here we go. We're getting to the ones that we want I had over here on my list. See All right. Liz and I are on the same page, man. Same page. Ish. Ish. <laughs> Ish. Gun rights and domestic violence. Okay, so gun rights, you know, this has been like a hot topic if you think about it. We've had a lot of cases on gun rights over the last couple of years. We had the case regarding New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin mm-hmm. and other topics talking about gun rights where Judge Thomas just Justice Thomas just kind of laid into them and it keeps coming up. And what are those gun rights? Well, recently we had uh, rulings come out regarding ghost guns and stuff coming out regarding ghost guns and the uh, the executive branch basically trying to stop the the making the selling of ghost guns. The Supreme Court is going to take up that topic. And and really lay out what is the proper regulation and the limitations on regulation under our right to bear arms, right? And, and there's this balance, and and there's going to be people on both sides, right? Second Amendment guys and no gun guys are going to say that's not fair, but there's got to be a balance in between, mm-hmm. right? Everyone everyone says, hey, yeah, I should be allowed to bear arms, but are, are you allowed to bear a tank? Right. right? What's your limitation on it, right? And, the, and the, these guys over here are going to say you shouldn't be allowed to have anything but a piece of string to, to defend yourself with, which obviously is not what our Constitution says, right? That's not right. – so there's got to be a balance in between the two, and that's a little bit, I think, what the Supreme Court's trying to do in their own way, right? The incremental way, right? If you notice, like, if you take the earlier correlation of working incrementally along with what the Supreme Court's doing, they're taking one case a term, basically, if you hear that, right? Mm-hmm. They're taking one gun case a term is what it sounds like they're doing. They're working incrementally mm-hmm. towards setting up a standard of what's allowed and not allowed under that Second Amendment. And it's not going to be everything, and it's not going to be nothing, right? And so now it looks like they're focusing on ghost guns now. Like this kind of term this year is focusing on, on that ability to you know, take that, that home-built weapon you, where you take the parts, you take individual parts, and you kind of build it up yourself. And that's kind of looks like a little bit their focus based on some of the articles I found here and the ability to do that. The other thing they got going on with guns is the right of an individual who's been accused of or even convicted of domestic violence, right? They've got these... Things in their background, let's just say. Do those individuals have a right to bear arms? Right? Do those individuals who have been maybe found guilty, who have served their time, who've done their stuff, they've gotten out, do they have the right to bear arms? And do they have the ability to do that? Or do they lose their right, right, for the rest of their lives? And a lot of times felons lose their rights. Mm-hmm. It looks like they're gonna be taking up that case in regard to Where do you see that going? You know, that's a very that's a very delicate one, honestly. Uh, and I've got my own personal opinion that it's a very delicate one because the people that are victims may still have that fear that this individual is going to come back, right? And I can under, I can understand and appreciate that. Right. 
on the other hand, if I was convicted 20 years ago, I served my time, or I didn't even have time. Let's just say I didn't even have time, and and and, and I haven't seen you or had a charge for 20 years. Do I should I lose my rights if I've actually done what my duty and my service I've given back to the community as I was told to do? Should I lose my rights for the rest of my life? A lot of these kind of crimes occur when you're maybe in your 20s, maybe mm-hmm. late teens, and now you're 60 years old. You're not allowed right. to go now. You're not allowed to go hunting with your your granddaughter, grandson, because of what happened 40 years ago. And you've shown over the last 40 years, you have been an upstanding law-abiding citizen. Exactly, right? So yeah. I, can, I can understand I can understand both sides of that story, but do you lose your rights under that? You know, one last case. Yep. Big one for us here in South Carolina. We have a huge case regarding gerrymandering here in South Carolina. Yes. Right out of Charleston. They've actually already heard it. They heard it like first week of October. I think it was October uh, 11th. In regard to when they were kind of redrew these district lines, what was their intent, right? So down in Charleston, there's an allegation, and I find this a little, you know, if I was if I was an offend, easily offended, I might find this offensive. Uh, they say that the Republican legislators tried to bleach the black voters from their former district. So that's quite the that's quite the term. Wow! Right, quite the term. Something um, tells me they. Artfully and skillfully selected that word. Because if you think about what bleach does, right? Yes. It's quite quite the term in this kind of situation. <laughs> you know. Um and, and, and that was that was the that was the, the you know the plaintiff who brought the case, the people that are trying to get it changed. So what they're trying to say is that the reason these district lines were drawn the way they are is because it was a discrimination method. Right now you can't do that and, and normally it's a race situation, but you can do it under sex or disability. You can do it under any kind of discrimination purpose whatsoever. But in this situation is trying to take what they consider African-American black areas, and as they say, bleach them, turn them white, right? Mm-hmm. Try to dilute them to make them whiter, all right? And which is, like I said, quite an interesting term to use. Yeah. Um, of course, what the allegations are coming against the state, the state is saying that's not true. The state is saying it was simply to change the political dynamics from Democratic to Republican, which is allowed, right? And so that case was already said and was already heard by the Supreme Court, and the, and the court is looking at it. And saying if it's not clear, is based on race or discrimination, it may be allowed, which is going to be quite interesting for the entire country, right? Because it sets up a, almost a, a, a precedent that I was going to say, if it's precedent. not based on strictly race and it is based on politics, then it's allowed. All right, Tom wins the law. I know we're out of time. What? You didn't get to all your stuff. What? I know. I know. I took care of Nick. I take care of Liz. I can't take care of myself. That's oh, just like a that's just on. like a normal day. Oh. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, how do people get in touch with you? Y'all reach out to us over at Winslow Law, 843-357-9301, winslowlawyers.com. And you have a show here? We got a show here on Sundays at noon. Sundays at noon. There you go. Tom Winslow, thank you. Y'all take care. Keeping you in the know. Liz and Nick got it handled. Talk 94.5.